Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. Today I have with me Jujin Kim, and he has the absolutely riveting story of transformation that he went through uh, at a particular time in his life. And yeah, he gives us all the details of what that was like, how it happened, and yeah, how he transformed and all the factors that went into his transformation. It's really interesting. I am still kind of blown away by how drastic of a change it was. So yeah, I think I think you guys will really enjoy it. So thank you guys for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. Uh, today I have with me, uh, you know, I, was, I almost said a, a returning guest, but I realized this is the first time I'm a podcast, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. first time. It's, um, it's I, th- I think I thought it was your... You've been here multiple times because I've heard you on like other podcasts. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like when we talk, um, you're also a very intentional conversationalist. Okay. So it feels like I'm doing a podcast. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing that um, I really I think is cool about like our relationship, um, my relationship with Chujin is Chujin is one of the first and only people that... Like, we were acquaintances, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. kind of knew each other. But then, like, we, like, reached out to, like, form a relationship mm-hmm. with. Um, and I was always skeptical of, of that approach of friendship. But, like, it's turning out that it's, it's been yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think we first met through, like, um, Servants Network. Yeah. And we were just like, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. Like, you know Joe. I know Joe. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Joe Song. Yeah, yeah. yeah Joe Song. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, we've had so- certain touch points. One crazy one was we were both at the same work conference in Vegas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was like, I think, 2015. Yeah, a yeah. while ago. I was in a big conference room just waiting for the presentation to start, and I get a Facebook message from Chujin. Hey, are you in Vegas? I was like, oh, yeah. How did you know? He goes, Turn around. <laughs> sure enough. Oh, I don't even remember like, yeah. how that happened. I just remember seeing you and then like, oh, like there's somebody I know. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was interesting. And um, yeah, in, in getting to know each other, um, it's because, you know, our, our kids are kind of similar age. Yeah. We kind of live in the same area now. Um, and so we will occasionally get our families together and hang out. And was it the last time? No, no. It was the first time we hung out where uh, you, Angie, your wife, told the story of kind of your... It almost sounds like a personality change. Like a, yeah, yeah. Like a Christ-led like transformation. A, a redemption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to kind of hear more about that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I invited you to uh, have this conversation today. So let's take it from the start. I think it's interesting. Like from like college, yeah, yeah. right? where you were and then how you ended up in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> and then like your mindset and all that, like yeah. during that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to Cornell University, which is like in upstate New York. It's like middle of nowhere. Right. And then um, it's the Ivy League, right? Yeah, it, it is. Um, and so I went there for like their hospitality program and then just kind of to go a little bit further back than that. Uh, like I grew up in like California, Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be honest, like I wasn't like the smartest kid or anything like that and i never saw myself to be but um at the time though in my senior year i was like working at a hotel uh full-time actually while working at school or while doing full-time school and then one of my co-worker was actually a cornell student who was also working kind of like part-time and she like encouraged me to like hey you should apply mm. and i'm like no way i like my gpas aren't that great mm. like i don't think i'm the smartest um 
of the bunch and this is like ivy league i, I don't that's like i don't even like that's like that's not even my dream school because it's like so beyond my reach mm. but then i ended up applying because she kept pushing me to do so and then i got in like by grace of god because like and everybody like all of my peers and all of my friends were shocked that i got in because you know I, again i wasn't the smartest person in the room um but yeah i think i just kind of took that as a sign like god wants me to be there uh, and actually, it turned out to be cheaper than what my dream school was, which was uh, USC, University of Southern California. Okay. Um, so I ended up going to Cornell just because, honestly, simply because it was cheaper. Mm. Uh, wow. And and honestly, the I, the thought of going to upstate New York with snow and like all that, like I was not, um, I was not really excited about it. Mm. But you know, it was just like it was it was cheaper to go, so I did. And you know, at the time at Cornell, it's like. I thought I was like, you know, I didn't think I was the smartest, but I also didn't think I was the dumbest. Mm. But then when I went to Cornell, you know, these are like people, like the smartest of the smarts, like from across the world. Right. And when you have all these brilliant minds in one place, like I felt like such an idiot. <laughs> uh, like the whole four years, I felt like such an idiot. And then, um, but I think over those four years, I think like I've kind of um, like unbeknownst to me, I've been my personality kind of became a little bit more arrogant a little bit more prideful because mm, like now you're fitting in with the best of the best right and then you know um and i think it's just like when there's that much pressure of all these like smart folks and then mm. like you know a lot of my peers were like sons and daughters of like ceos and sons and daughters of like really rich or famous folks mm. and so um yeah unbeknownst to me I, I became very prideful and very like arrogant and and i think like yeah, like, I, I think there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm Ivy League. Like, <laughs> oh, but, you know, but, um, so, yeah, that was kind of, like, brewing. And then, so, when I, at, when it came time for a graduation, uh, most of my close buddies, they all ended up with uh, jobs in, um, like, Boston and D.C. area. Mm. So, I was um, applying to a bunch of jobs there so that I can hopefully, you know, be with, like, my friends at the, at, at the um, when we graduate. Mm -hmm. But, unfortunately, I was, like, the only one, the only job offer that I got was from Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what the heck? I don't want to go to like the South. Mm. Like, I don't know anyone there. And I don't like all my friends are going to be up in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like really not looking forward to it. But I would rather have a job than be unemployed. Yeah. So at the time, I like took the job. So when was that? Like when you were about to graduate? What year was that? Uh, so I graduated 2013. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I graduated like late May. And I, I, I barely had like a week and a half a like break mm -hmm. and then I, I started my job down here in like uh, early June mm. and so I moved down here I didn't know anybody um, well my sister was here at the time mm. uh, but she was in Duluth and my my off my work was in Atlanta mm. and she had at the time she, I mean she still does but she has three kids and mm. so like her like her social circle is like just very different from what I needed so, wow. so if she had three kids when you had just graduated college, is there a pretty significant age difference? Yeah, uh, well, no, she's only five years older, but uh, she got married really early. Five uh, years is still pretty, yeah, pretty big. Yeah, yeah. and so, um, so yeah, she she was hanging out with like ajumas and like <laughs> other ajumas with other kids, like little toddlers, and right. so she didn't really have anybody to like connect me with, mm. you know. So basically, I was like by myself, yeah. right? Um, and then so. I came down here and um, I absolutely hated it mm. after, like the first several months um, because... And, and you know, I can relate to kind of your whole view of what Georgia would be like uh -huh. because like you, you you mentioned you were in Orange County, right? I grew up in Torrance. Uh -huh. um, so, but we I moved when I was in like sixth grade yeah. in 2000, like 
like right at before two, the year 2000. Yeah. So literally, the only thing people knew about Atlanta was all the Olympics were there, <laughs> and like nothing else. You know, no, yeah, like yeah. Some hick town in the south. Right. right. People thought it was like the boonies. Yeah. Uh, like, because it's like the south. Right. And so I remember like. I showed a picture of Atlanta to like one of my friends and they're like, Oh, you guys have skyscrapers. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but, but anyway, yeah. It, um, so I, at first I hated it cause like the humidity, uh, cause mm. I, I came here in the summer, um, like all the flying cockroaches that were in the neighborhood. Um, and then like, what was like the most bizarre to me was like, um, everyone was so nice. Mm. And I think just having spent the last four years in like upstate New York with these like arrogant, prideful like rich snobby kids mm -hmm. like i was like what is wrong with these people why are they so nice to me and to me I, I i started being very like defense um like putting up kind of a wall defense mm -hmm. mode because i thought okay they want something from me like i don't mm -hmm. know what it is but they want something because uh, like back in cornell if somebody was like nice to you it's because they want to see your homework or like they want like that your help on on the test or like whatever yeah. right there's yeah. always it's, it's very transactional yeah and so when um, you know, I, some of the first folks that I met here was like, um, Pastor Joe and Grace, and they were just like so nice. Mm. And everyone at, at church was so nice. I was like, what do you guys want from me? <laughs> um, and it was just like really weird. And so, um, so yeah. And then I think, and then when I first came, I met a bunch of like young adults like myself uh -huh. and to like, I found out, you know, a lot of the folks here uh, that grew up in Georgia, went to school in Georgia, they never moved out and they're still living with their parents. So I think uh, there was a part of me, um, like the prideful part of me, that's mm -hmm. like, oh my God, you still live with your parents? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like, what? come on, man, <laughs> you're like 20 something. And then so... And you never left your state. Yeah. yeah. And, and then so like, I, there was a part, uh, like an arrogance to, to myself where um, I was like, like basically looking down on them, like, mm. like I'm better than you. Mm. And so, um, and also the fact that everyone's so nice to me, I was like, why are you so nice? Like, and so, <laughs> um, yeah, there was just a lot of arrogance in me and a lot of like pridefulness in me coming down here. Um, mm. But it's funny cause like I still kept going to the church cause like uh, with the, like the small groups that we had um, cause they always had free food. And for me, like, you know, I was living here by myself, no roommates, like nothing. And, you know, first job out of college, the pay wasn't that great. And so, um, you know, like I was like barely getting by like paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so like anytime there's free food, I'm like, I'm there. So, um, so I started going out to church. Um, was it also the fact that it was free Korean food? Uh, well, it was just like, um, it's just like random snacks. Oh, yeah, okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Korean food necessarily. Mm, yeah. I see, I see, I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I just came down here with just a lot of arrogance and a lot of pride, and um, and God used that to like humble me like real hard. Mm. Um, yeah. Were you a believer before? Um, like, yeah. While all this arrogance was kind of building, I I was, and oh. and actually, I was serving at our on our college ministry, our college campus ministry mm -hmm. uh, at Cornell during my upperclassmen years, mm -hmm. and you know, I think. In retrospect, I see that I was still very naive and, and an idiot. But like, <laughs> but at the time, you know, yeah. graduating Ivy League senior, like whatever, and I served in the church for a couple of years, I was like, oh man, my faith is good. Like, mm. yeah, my faith is good. And then, um, when I want, when I initially had the desire to like end up in Boston or DC with my friends, mm. I was like, oh, I need my, um, you know, my brothers in Christ to like be with me so that I can continue to maintain this faith and like be strong and like all that and then so 
so yeah, I, I, there, I did, um, I considered myself a Christian, but mm-hmm. I think just the way I was living that mm-hmm. life was definitely not, um, I, you know, not the ideal Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause at the time I was also like smoking a lot mm-hmm. and I think being here, being all lonely, um, it, it actually made it like worse. Right. Um, so so yeah, definitely not. And I would like actually show up to like Bible study, like reeking of cigarettes. Mm. <laughs> were, were you like aware? Was that kind of intentional, you think? or I was just kind of in a very like, um, I don't give a F mode. Mm. Um, because like in my mind, I hated being there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get the heck out. Mm-hmm. And so what I told myself at the time was, um, I'm just going to stay. And I had hated my job too. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I told myself was, I'm just going to be here for one week, just get one year under my belt so that it looks good on my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to find some, a new job and mm-hmm. I'm going to get out of here like forever. Cause I hate this place. I hate the people. <laughs> I hate the weather. Uh-huh. Like I, I hate all the trees. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I hate all the roads, how the roads don't make sense. Yeah. People don't know how to drive. And so, um, so yeah, my mindset was just, I'm going to get out of here in a, a year. So I, I definitely like did not try to. Um, invest in any relationships whatsoever Mm. and even when people did try like angie and joe and grace like i would like push them away and put up a wall Mm -hmm. again it kind of went back to this mentality of like i'm better than you i'm leaving uh and i don't know what you want from me but you're not gonna have it (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is you're trying to get from me yeah wow (laughs) so did you go through that a lot then because is that just something how the whole everyone has an ulterior motive Mm -hmm. mentality was it learned through experience or is it just kind of oh i think that's how the world world works i think um i think a little bit of both Mm because i think you know during college that's when i did realize like like a lot of people are very manipulative Mm. they just um and you know i think when when you have like a a, a, like a, a, a small town where it's some of the world's like rich, you know, wealthiest mm-hmm. and like smartest people, like they can like they they can be very conniving and like very manipulative to get what they want. And I mean, of course, there I, I did make you know true friends mm-hmm. throughout, but I've just come across a lot of those kind of folks where where they are like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was just kind of being uh, preemptively defensive mm-hmm. uh, when I came down here. Um, and so yeah, I, I think that's that's why it kind of like changed my mentality after college. Gotcha. Yeah. So your decision to come down here was because this is like the only place you got a job right right yeah but what made you even apply to a place in atlanta oh um i think so it was like one of those like corporate recruiting thing it's like Mm. it's like hey give me your preference cities Mm -hmm. and then they'll match me with whatever has availability and Mm -hmm. what you know so i i always put like dc and boston as my top but i did put atlanta as kind of like my backup of backup because um because my my sister was here so it's like at least there's like one person Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and but then while i was applying to that i didn't realize that how unhelpful that would be at least in terms of my like social um my ability to like get friends and things like that yeah because you were thinking i mean my sister's there maybe she you might be able to join her community yeah but she's in the completely different life stage right than you, so, yeah. yeah and she was in Duluth and I was in Atlanta so you know the distance didn't really help either right yeah. right right back then was there a lot of Korean food in Duluth do you remember I think, yeah yeah there was, was there? yeah okay, okay. 2013 yeah okay because yeah. Like, yeah, yeah like Duluth was the hot spot but now I feel like it's more like Swanee right yeah. it's moving up yeah like, it's north a little up, bit yeah because yeah. 
that's what happened before Duluth got turned into the hospital. Yeah. It was like Doraville. Highway, yeah. Doraville. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, wow. So here is this uh, Chujin who's reeking of smoke, being all like sh- shut off from like everyone at church. Uh-huh. So what, what happens to turn you from that guy into the person that sits before us today yeah so um like joe pastor joe was really that turning point mm. and um and and they've told me um you know after the fact like every time i came to like bible study and stuff mm-hmm. i would like literally come you know reek of smoke say nothing sit there in silence eat the snacks and then as soon as like prayers done you know how people usually kind of linger and like mm-hmm. hang out mm-hmm. but i would i just like dipped like mm-hmm. i just dipped out right away uh-huh. um and then so joe would ask like everyone like why does that guy even come here? Because uh-huh. uh, I've been doing that for like months. Uh-huh. And then I think at, at a certain point, because, you know, Joe was like the, the lead of the ministry, um, of the young adult ministry. Uh-huh. Uh, he like, I guess something tugged at his heart and he pulled me aside and um, he was like, hey, like, um, I want to invite you out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Are you down to go have dinner with me? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure, because like free food, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, dang, if yeah. you, the way to Jujin's heart is free food. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then so, um, so he took me to this like pizza place in Sandy Springs. I don't know if it still exists. Mm. And I forgot, you know, what we generally talked about. But at the end of the dinner, after, at the end of the meal, he asked me very bluntly, like, hey, do you love God? And then my first initial reaction to that question was like, who does this guy think he is? Of course I love God. Like, I'm a Christian. I've grown up Christian. And yeah. like, like he doesn't know me. Like, how, how dare he ask me that? And mm-hmm. like, I, I, I started being very, um, I started thinking very like defensive and um, defensively. And I just started getting like really angry, like upset. At, like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, like, duh. Like, of course I do. And then he like his this next question was like the mic drop moment for me because um and then he's like well then why don't you act like it (laughs) (laughs) and then like you know this is guy I've known for just a couple months at Mm -hmm. this point Mm -hmm. um I think like maybe a little less than half a year Mm -hmm. and and I was just so like taken aback by like the bluntness of that Mm -hmm. and then I was like what the heck like Mm -hmm. like you know how and I don't know I was just like trying to like figure out like okay like like some kind of an answer like some witty answer or something but like like in my trying to be you know in trying to be defend myself but like i like i couldn't like think of anything yeah and and then you know he brought up a great point that you know i don't really act like one (laughs) and i think to add a little bit more context to that like I, w- I grew up in the church and all that, mm-hmm. and I was very, um, I did ch- a praise team for like several years from like junior high to high school, but actually during, high, at, towards the end of high school, I started getting um, further and further away from church because um, the hypocrisy of a lot of the praise team members that I served with. Mm-hmm. And so like, for example, in high school, when I served on praise team, you know, after praise team practice, people would go to like Norebang, drink sur, like smoke, yeah. and, you know, talk about all these like, non-christianly things right and it used to bother the heck out of me and like for me um instead of joining them on doing like the drinking and the smoking and all of that i it, i was just like really turned off i was mm. like okay on saturday nights you're like partying drinking smoking and then on sunday afternoon you're like raising your hand and closing your eyes and like leading worship mm. and so that bothered the hypocrisy of it really bothered me and so i started to like drift away mm. and so um 
I think, and then so when Joe asked me that question and when Joe brought this light upon my hypocrisy of, of myself, uh, I thought of like that and how that really deterred me from church and just from God in general. And so that really hit me hard. And I, I just started like crying there, mm. uh, like in the middle of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, it, it wasn't even like, um, it wasn't even like, like, like just little tears. Yeah. I was like bawling. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> And then, you know, like when you're trying to like hold back your tears, yeah. it like, it's like even worse. Right. And your body's yeah, yeah. shaking. And then yeah. I was just so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm, I'm a big guy mm. and I barely know this guy, Joe. Yeah. And I'm crying in the middle of a restaurant. <laughs> I was like so embarrassed and I was trying to like stop myself. And I think, to be honest, um, I think Joe was also a little freaked out too. Because yeah. I don't think he ever expected such a response yeah. from, from this emo dude that you know <laughs> that reeks of smoke wait so just so we can the listeners can get an image how tall are you like oh i'm 6'3 and yeah, like six like 220 230 pounds and pastor joe like probably like five eight five nine right? yeah, yeah. And so like i can just see like <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then i remember like he was trying to like comfort me as like my pastor but mm -hmm. at the same time you know joe's not very like affectionate yeah either he's so, very no nonsense yeah so he's it's not like he's gonna give me a hug or anything so yeah. he was just like very awkwardly like putting his hand yeah. on like my back and like uh -huh. it's okay <laughs> like i don't know like his um his efforts to comfort me was like not very good mm -hmm. <laughs> um because i think i think it freaked him out too and uh, you didn't so you didn't feel any comfort from him yeah yeah that. yeah exactly uh -huh. and, and i was just if anything i was more so embarrassed mm. of crying in public um so i just like ran, i ran to the bathroom and then i um once i kind of like regained my composure i just like came out and i was just like hey um thanks for the food but i'm gonna go i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you on sunday uh -huh. and then so and then so i started walking out and i, I was like walking to my car and then um like joe like stopped me mm -hmm. <laughs> like like Korean drama still, like, wait. <laughs> you know, I was already like way over there by my car. Was it raining? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been perfect. But yeah, he stopped me and he's just like, hey, um, can I pray for you? And I was like, I was like okay, sure. <laughs> and then so, so he took me like, he took me to his like car and then like we sat inside the car and then he like prayed for me. And I don't know what exactly, I, I forgot what he prayed for exactly, but um, I just remember like, yeah, like just kind of this like wave of like guilt and, you know, shame and just mm -hmm. like, wow, I've been like living like such a arrogant, um, hateful, you know, cocky person. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm flaunting around saying I'm a Christian and I love God and like all of that. And so, um, so yeah, it, like it just like really broke me down. And then mm -hmm. I, 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 it's funny because like it, like at first I thought Joe was like, like the rudest person in the world. And, but like, that's what, like that bluntness is mm -hmm. what like gave me that, you know, spiritual slap in the face to like yeah. wake me up and, yeah. and just kind of get me back into like, okay, like, so then how do I really live as a mm -hmm. Christian? Um, and so, so then prior to that, you know, spiritual slap in the face, were you aware that you were being arrogant and no, I, emo I, and all that? I, I wasn't. And uh -huh. I think it's something only I realized in retrospect oh, that wow. I was like looking down on everyone. Mm. And, um, again, just kind of going back to like that mindset of like, oh, you live with your parents? like, And I was like just being very judgmental mm -hmm. um, without, you know, knowing the context or everyone's situation. Um, and yeah, I, I, I placed myself above everyone or in my mind I did. Mm -hmm. um, and so... 
yeah, I think only after like that slap in the face, um, God, I guess kind of like opened my eyes, like truly mm-hmm. to see like, dude, you're being really arrogant <laughs> and prideful. Um, not, not, that's not to say like, I don't deal with pride now, mm-hmm. but like compared to like 2013 yeah. um, that was like that proverbial um, slap in the face that I really needed to mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to like get off my high horse and yeah. actually act like I follow Christ. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, since then, um, you know, I, so I moved here like June of 2013 and I, I believe that conversation happened in um, like November of 2013. And um, honestly, after that was kind of like a 180 for me. Um, like immediately? Yeah, 180. Mm-hmm. And then so so I just like started being, I guess, I just started opening up more, mm-hmm. um, being a little more vulnerable, mm-hmm. like I guess being more uh, receptive to everyone's friendliness and, you know, things like that. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I, I guess like to me, the transition didn't feel sudden, but you know, according to everyone else, I, I was like 180, like, wow. uh, at the time. Hmm. Uh, and then, so it's funny cause like right after that, I, I, I um, picked up the bass again and rejoined praise team so that I can like, you know, serve church. And then, um, I think a couple months later in April. So when I first moved here, Angie and I, Angie really didn't like me <laughs> and I didn't really like her, uh-huh. but by April of next year, we were dating. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, uh-huh. like, because that change was so, like, uh, drastic mm-hmm. and transformative that, like, yeah, yeah. I became this, like, emo, annoying guy that she didn't really like to be around to, mm-hmm. obviously, now, and now we're married with two kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I wish Angie were here because um, she told the story of, like, how the church group was going bowling or something and uh-huh. they, like, invited you. Um, but wasn't it, like, they like invited you to be nice, but then you came and you were just kind of sulking the whole time. And yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like from that to suddenly being like, oh, I want to join the praise team uh-huh. and all that. Wow, that is a very yeah, different. Uh, yeah. And then I think this one took a little bit longer, but I think after a couple months of that slap in the face, mm-hmm. I quit smoking too for like for good. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that one was a little bit harder to like shut off no, immediately for yeah. Sure, yeah but I, at the time i think i had smoked for like five years and then i think by the next spring i was like done mm. like and i haven't picked up a cigarette since then so wow hey congratulations um, that's awesome yeah. that's a yeah I, my dad used to smoke so i know mm. how tough that is so yeah. oh wow wow so so tell me like i'm gonna give you some situations can you sh- explain to me how emo or i guess pre-2013 chujin would have acted and how the post the new chujin would behave so like if i were someone at church and i came up to you and said oh hey chujin nice to meet you hey you want to uh-huh. go eat with us after service like how would you have what were the differences in oh behavior? i mean i mean if you're paying for the food i would have been there <laughs> okay, okay. um uh i don't know i mean i can't I feel like that's like a chapter in my life that I try not to think about too mm, often. Okay, okay. Um, because like I, 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 like not only was I in this like arrogant, prideful pl- place, but mm-hmm. I was also in a very like depressed state as mm-hmm. well. Because like, um, you know, got this new job in this new city with no friends. Uh, I just like I didn't see an end to when this would, like mm-hmm. this chapter of my life would end, mm-hmm. and so I was in a very like depressed state, and so like. I guess that's an example of that. Um, 
you know, I come home from work to an apartment by myself. I have no one to call up on the weekends. I have no one to call up on the weekday evenings. Yeah. No one, to, no one to hang out with on Fridays or you know, or anything. And so, even at church, like I would go for like an hour, but I would just come right home, mm. and like, like literally, I had like nothing to do. Mm. I would just like sit at home and like not do anything. And so I was in a very like depressed, not healthy state. Um, but yeah, I guess like the difference though is just, I mean, I could fake being nice mm-hmm. if needed to be. Um, I did work. A lot of customer-facing work uh, <laughs> at the time, mm-hmm. um, so but I think it's more of like what would have been going on inside my heart and in my mind. Mm. Like I would have been probably judging you super hard, mm. like yeah. you know, in my head versus now. You know, it's now that's not the case. Yeah. Um, so would you say like your depression during that time was that? Or like, would you say you're, you still? feel that level of depression or no 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 um i mean i've i've, I've definitely outgrown that but yeah. so do you think the kind of outgrowing of that came with like your transformation or was that some like a different thing that helped that uh, no i think i think they are like kind of the one and the same mm-hmm. um i i was like you know to be honest i was depressed to a point where i was like thinking suicidal thoughts and mm-hmm. stuff um and so it was like really i was in a very not healthy place mentally and just mm-hmm. like spiritually but i think once once Joe gave me that slap in the face and I started kind of like self-reflecting and re-examining myself, mm. I realized like I have everything I need here. It's just my attitude that's like, you know, mm. crap. So I really need to fix myself and my attitude. And then, and then so I did. Mm. And yeah, and then I started dating Angie. Yeah. Started not, And then this pastor that I thought was really rude and annoying mm is now officiated our wedding (laughs) you know and now we're hanging out on a regular basis and so it's like it it was just like like i think several months or so after that i realized wow god like placed everything i needed here Mm. but for a stupid reason i was um putting up a wall around myself Mm. and i just kind of it was like my fault that i was in this like sad depressed and hateful angry state yeah Uh, it was like totally my fault and so um so yeah, I, I think once I started like doing that self-examination and just realizing the hypocrisy of it, um, I was able to get myself out of that like state pretty quickly. And wow. yeah, you know that story I think is a great lesson um, for people coming out of college because there are a lot of situations, especially Christians who come out of college and they end up in a different city. They kind of by default try to plug themselves into a new church, mm-hmm. but unaware to themselves they might be putting up walls that kind of make it impossible to really get plugged into a community yeah kind of like what you're talking about so yeah i think man that's for anyone listening to this who kind of can relate to how chujun was feeling when he first moved to atlanta i think yeah don't don't forget (laughs) the local church like i think that like Getting plugged into a community is yeah. huge, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No man is an island. So yeah. I think, yeah, that community aspect shouldn't be overlooked. And I think it's also a big lesson for the local churches as well. Because um, like, how, how much of an effort would you say your church mates mm-hmm. put in to like, invite you to stuff and to try to like, reach out to you? And- yeah, I mean, I think, I think they did put a lot of effort. And mm-hmm. I like... And looking back at it, I'm so thankful for that mm. because if they did not make that effort, then I would have been like, oh, F this place. Like, yeah. And then I would have probably just suffered 
sick a lot for like a year and then probably found a new job hopefully and then moved out and mm. you know that's the end of it but mm. um and uh, like even like you know joe who's normally very like blunt and like not very like affectionate kind of person <laughs> even, even though you know he knew that the right thing was to like reach out to this like sad little sad big guy and and, and, and so um so yeah i really appreciate that they took initiative mm. in that in that regards um because like without it yeah i, I like I, I don't think my friendship would have and with angie would have started either mm. uh, and so so yeah um yeah so yeah i mean as a person who goes to church as a as a lay leader at my church we get new people all the time and there are to be honest there are a lot of people who are like very difficult you know like you invite them to things they don't they come out but they're just kind of like yeah. sitting there they take no effort to like really engage with the congregation it's yeah. always like us having to like so it's very easy to in that situation to just be like you know what they, they don't want to be here they yeah. want to go somewhere else let's just let them go yeah like, that was 100 percent me yeah right but <laughs> i think um we, it's potentially we can miss out on a lot uh, and you don't know what the person is going through mm -hmm. and you know like i feel like next time i see someone like that at our church uh, i'm going to be reminded of your story <laughs> and, and try to put in that extra effort because mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean i i've personally never been in that situation where i'm in a completely different city living by myself yeah. and like no one to reach out to but uh at one point in my career this, this was my second job i lived in an apartment by myself okay. away from my parents for the first time and like different city it was in sandy springs oh okay so dunwoody so from here dunwoody like 30 minute drive without traffic yeah but even then like because just because i was there i felt so isolated yeah because i was and so like i can only imagine what it would be like to be in a completely different city yeah and having to start over from from scratch yeah so. I, it sucked yeah <laughs> I, I would say i mean i'm i'm 31 years now but i would say like that first year out of college was probably like my most difficult mm. um and challenging year mm. of my life yeah yeah wow well i'm so glad that um you're here so okay i i'm actually now interested in hearing about how your relationship with angie <laughs> went from like her not liking you yeah, yeah. you not like like not liking each other yeah, yeah. how did that turn into you guys suddenly <laughs> dating <laughs> yeah um how many months did that take uh, five, five months from like that conversation with Joe, that was in November, and uh -huh. we started dating end of April. So yeah, I guess about five, <laughs> six months ish. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, and then so we started dating, and then we dated for two years, and then we got married. And so um, so but before the November though, how long had you known Angie? So I met her when I first moved here. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess and kind of I guess funny story is that she's my fifth degree friend. Fifth degree. Yeah. So like um, I didn't know anybody. So. <laughs> So to kind of like trace those steps. So at Cornell, I had a friend named Mike, mm -hmm. but he was, he transferred from George Washington University in DC. Mm -hmm. And at that university, he was friends with Sharon Pei, mm -hmm. who originally grew up in Atlanta mm -hmm. and was friends with Angie. Mm -hmm. So that's fourth degree friend. But mm -hmm. when I first moved, so when I first moved to Atlanta, my friend Mike reached out to Sharon to reach out to Angie mm -hmm. and say, hey, I have a friend coming down and he doesn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. Can you guys like, you know, meet up and just kind of, you know, introduce it to other people and stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the time when, so I arrived in the summer of 2013, but mm -hmm. Angie was doing a internship in Tennessee, uh, in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And so because she wasn't physically here, she asked one of her tech friends to meet up with me. 
And so I technically met and became friends with um, Angie's friend from tech, Jay. Uh-huh. And so when Angie came back after her internship, Jay introduced me to Angie. Uh-huh. <laughs> so through that, it was like a fifth, to Mike, Sharon, Jay, uh, it was like a fifth degree, like friend yeah. person. And so, so yeah, we met and, you know. One, one tidbit on that. They actually did a study and they say the entire world, you know, everybody through six degrees of separation. Yeah, I, I heard that. I don't know how true that is, but I, I, I heard that. The, it apparently, like it's like number. through some sort of mathematical calculation, you can uh-huh. figure that out. So you guys are pretty... <laughs> it was really... It was a very distant <laughs> like, relationship. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and um, yeah, to be honest, like when I first... I still remember we first met at like Tammuji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, like she was just like not my type. <laughs> Like and she knows this, I can uh-huh. I can say it openly. Uh-huh. Um, she was like the kind of the opposite of like my type, just uh-huh. in terms of everything. Um, so what was your type like? Uh, I mean, like like physical appearance. Like I always wanted like somebody like a lot taller, because mm-hmm. um, I'm tall, and mm-hmm. then like somebody with like I actually per- I think I preferred like smaller eyes. But Angie has really big eyes mm-hmm. with Sangkapur, and I oh that's interesting. Yeah, and I preferred or at the time. Yeah, that was different. Right, right, that right, was right. different. <laughs> but at the time, right out of college, I I preferred like somebody with like smaller eyes with no sangkapur, mm. um, and, and you know things like that. And and um, but yeah, and, and she has big eyes with sangkapur, and just very different Double eyelids. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so very different. But also, she was very like bubbly, mm. and at the time, she was very like extroverted. And to me, like that was straining. So I don't, I didn't like to be with. Um, bubbly people mm. <laughs> and also like at, again there was also this perception of like why is everyone so nice like mm. calm down stop like mm-hmm. it was like that kind of mentality so um yeah my first impression of her wasn't that great mm. and i think it was the same for her because you know i was like smoking and like spitting in front of her and like i was doing like getting the loogie out and, <laughs> and like i didn't like i wasn't trying to impress her right so i didn't care to mm. you know hide that kind of things from her mm-hmm. because i knew that I was not attracted to her and I didn't care if she was like, I didn't care what she thought about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think she was also very turned off by like that, like, mm. you know, smoking and spitting and just like not being a very, like, not being kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very like sarcastic and um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Wait, so, so you, you see that she was very extroverted. Is she not anymore? She's No, she's, I, she considers herself introverted now. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's like me that the relationship with me that brought her or just like age and life stage. But mm-hmm. yeah, I th- we're both introverted. But like when I took Myers-Briggs and like after college, I was like 100% introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even now I'm like 100% introvert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we, our first impressions weren't the best. And yeah, we just kind of didn't get along. And she always thought I was just like this sad guy and i was such a buzzkill like mm. just me just coming into the room made everybody like sad like mm-hmm. uh, like you know um one of those like the the person who like kills the vibe kind yeah of exactly thing, right? yeah. yeah like um but for her the reason why she was so persistent with me um you know against her wishes was like she said she she told me that when she was in tennessee she was by herself at the you know for her internship mm-hmm. and she didn't know anybody but she's and so for her, she also felt very lonely and sad and miserable. Mm-hmm. But for her, she knew that it was a very temporary thing, like three month internship for the mm-hmm. summer, right? Mm-hmm. So she, for her, there was like the light at the end of the tunnel. And even then, she was very lonely and sad. Mm-hmm. And then so when she saw me, 
kind of in this similar situation in this new city i don't know anybody but for me I, there was no end in sight right because mm, wow. it's not like my job was had a contract or anything like that mm. um and so she said that's why she initially started feeling like pity for me mm-hmm. like oh man this guy needs a friend mm. and and i kept like rejecting her and like you know being really mean and and to her too like she said like she hated like <laughs> trying to hang out with me um but like she says she just felt this like tug because like she's felt that kind of loneliness and uh she like kind of took it took it upon herself to try to um plug me in to everyone everyone else because she understood that loneliness yeah and um but yeah but she did not like doing it though Mm. uh so yeah so we so that's how I guess our, our friendship started. And then, you know, we started talking online and it turned out that we had like very similar taste in music. Mm-hmm. And so that got us talking. But um, so we were like, you know, we were friends. And then, uh, but then, yeah, after that conversation with Joe, I completely like turned around and um, I guess I started being like nicer to her and just like my personality changed. And I think she started like opening up. Uh, oh, sorry. So for the timeline, you met her once she came back back from her internship in the, at the end of summer so like yeah like it was like late july i think late july yeah and then so that's like five months from then or uh-huh. like six months from then i'm sorry four months from then is like when you had the conversation with joe uh-huh so she had to endure four months of <laughs> yeah arrogant like yeah. sad yeah. Yeah. Okay. and then there was, and then there was this one conversation that's particularly memorable is that um we were i think we were just like grabbing some late night snacks at qt mm-hmm. um gas station mm-hmm. And I forget what she said, but I was like such a a a hole um, because I so I forgot what she said, but I basically told her off and I said like, dude, like why do you why do you care so much? Like I don't want to go to these things. I don't stop inviting me to these things. And and I told her like, you know what? Within a year, I'm getting the hell out of here. And when I get the hell out of here, I'm not gonna remember you. I'm not gonna remember (laughs) Joe. I'm not gonna remember anybody here. And yeah, I'm not gonna care about you. So stop. Like, wow. And that was, I was like, in retrospect, oh, that's such a dick thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was just like in that place. Like, uh-huh. I was being so defensive and so, like, you know, not <laughs> investing in really. And that hurt her a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember, like, you know, she was like crying. She was like very upset. Yeah. And even then, I didn't care. I was like, why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, like, stop. Like we've only known each other for like a couple. Like we have, we don't even know each other. Like mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and then I forgot at what point in our relationship that happened. But like yeah, she was super upset by that. And then um, yeah, I don't really remember clearly how she how our relationship was immediately after that. But then yeah, um, I think she, from what I understand, she kept. She continued to be persistent because, you know, of that tug. Like, mm. he's like he's being super mean, but, like, it's just because he's in a very sad, very dark place. Mm. And so I think she reluctantly kept, like, being persistent. And then I think, thankfully, shortly after that, Joe, was that was a conversation with Joe. And then I was like, oh, I'm, like, better now. So, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> no, you did tell me this last time, but I totally forgot. So... It's even crazier to me that after that, uh-huh. somehow you guys started dating. Yeah. So what, what happened? So was it as easy as just being nicer to her? And then... I don't know. I mean, to, I mean, maybe that's, maybe you need to have Angie come talk to her. <laughs> oh. But um, I don't know how exactly that 
like to me that felt gradual i mean i just started opening up we started hanging out a lot mm. more and um and what was nice was so um you know because i was so lonely i actually like invested a lot of money into like games i i, I wasn't too big on games mm-hmm. um before i moved here but um i bought like a at the time i think it was like ps3 and like grand theft auto 5 just came out oh yeah and so you know i love playing those kind of things um especially because i had so much free time mm-hmm. and then how we started like connecting is that so angie had two brothers and like three guy cousins mm-hmm. And so she grew up like watching her older brothers and cousins like, play video games. Mm. And so for me, I, as I played video games, when we were just platonic friends, I had an audience and she would like come over and like watch and she would have fun doing it, mm. which is, I think, very atypical of a, a girl, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't care if, you know, you're playing Grand Theft Auto and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and I feel like stereotypically girls like, kind of like frown upon that and mm-hmm. like it's a, they think it's like not the cool thing to do or whatever yeah but um and then i remember i think i remember when i started thinking like huh Andrew's not bad when was like when i was doing like stupid things on grand theft auto i was like you know like you can punch like civilians <laughs> and i think to like, any money yeah there. i think i think to any like normal young adult woman they would be like why would you do that but then when i punched like a grandma on the street like she <laughs> would laugh out loud and uh-huh. And that brought me so much joy. Because I'm like, you're enjoying this too? Uh-huh. Oh, great. Because I'm having a lot of fun. And I would like uh-huh. punch all these like people for no reason. Uh-huh. And, and steal their money in the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> or like dr- run over people. Mm-hmm. And I think like any other girl would have been, oh my gosh, stop. Mm-hmm. Like that's so, you know. But then she was just, like cracking up. Wait, wait. So <laughs> this was before you guys had started dating? Yeah, this was before. This was more like during the, I think this is when I started seeing her more than a friend. Uh, yeah like th- this is like kind of that transitional like mm. huh it is fun to hang out with her mm. like well, then I'm, so I'm, I still feel like I'm missing a piece uh, how did you get from like I'm getting the hell out of here yeah. like I, I'm not I'm gonna forget you yeah. to like it's suddenly like inviting her over and uh, like playing video games and stuff even yeah before you're dating I don't know how we started now <laughs> but yeah I think I think yeah once that I think so again I think the baseline is always like the conversation with Joe but Mm -hmm. once that happened I think I started to see like wow Angie's making a great deal of effort um, to yeah to reach out to me to always invite me to things to bring me to like whatever and so yeah I think I just simply started reciprocating Mm -hmm. her efforts Mm -hmm. and so um, uh, at the time she graduated one semester later so during my first summer here or my first fall here she was still in college Mm -hmm. at Georgia Tech Mm -hmm. And so, like, I would drive, like, down tech um, mm-hmm. to, like, hang out with her. Mm-hmm. And, like, she would, like, talk about, like, you know, she's, like, doing finals or studying for something or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would, like, come drive down and hang out with her. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, to me, I think at the time, I think it was more like, oh, she's my only friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so and, and, and I know that she's made a lot of effort. So, I'm going to give return that effort. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and I think that's also when I think she kind of started to see like, oh, like this guy's drive because I at the time I lived in Smyrna, mm-hmm. so it's like what twenty minute drive down to Tech, so it's mm-hmm. not like too close, but mm-hmm. it's definitely like out of my way to go down there. Right, right. And so I think she started to realize, oh, this guy's like coming down just to like hang out with me. And so I think that's when things started kind of. To be honest, I don't know who initially thought of each other more than just a platonic friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to say it happened around the same time, but she always jokes that I started liking her first and like, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, yeah, it, I think that's how kind of that transition happened. Oh, wow. Okay, so you did you think she was, like, your only friend because everyone at church had pretty much stopped trying to, like... No, it's you? not that, but I think um, I was able to click with her a lot more than some of the other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know some of the guys there, like, they were really into sports mm-hmm. and, like, guns and stuff, mm-hmm. which is great, but, like, it's just, that's just, like, not my thing. Yeah. So I couldn't really connect with them mm-hmm. um and then like uh yeah and then for her like again we started connecting as friends like on with similar music tastes mm-hmm. and so it just kind of started out as like oh i sent her a youtube link it's like oh hey check this out mm-hmm. and then she would you know reciprocate and like mm-hmm. oh hey check check out this song and then so that's how we kind of like started talking a lot online um and then, yeah, I just kind of grew up from that she loves eating mm. and I love eating too. <laughs> and so we uh, like ate together a lot. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, that's, I think that's where a lot of that relationship building and like fellowship mm. like happens, even though <laughs> when we eat, like we don't talk, we just, we just like, eat everything because <laughs> we're so focused on the eating. Uh, we like, even now when we eat, like we don't like talk, um, we just focus on the food. Um, oh, that's why you're such a good chef. Like you like uh, the, the times you come uh, over you like prepare food for uh, us and it's always so good oh uh, I mean, th- thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean but yeah it's um yeah we just connected on like all the food and the music um mm-hmm. and then i think once that like foundational relationship that was established mm-hmm. you know we started hanging out at um she started coming over because like she lived in marietta and so when she was and she was commuting so on her way home like my home was like on the way Mm because i was in like smyrna Mm -hmm. so she would just drop by and again it was like totally platonic and it was literally just like her vegging on the couch while i'm playing gta Mm. Uh, and that's kind of how it started but Mm. then you know again i started to realize oh like it's fun it's like it's fun to be around her because she laughs when i do stupid things on (laughs) on grand theft auto Um, (laughs) and so yeah i think i think that's when i yeah we started hanging out more and more Mm. and kind of evolved from there wow and then that went on to become marriage and yeah you guys have two kids now yeah that is what a crazy story it's not you didn't just start from zero with angie you started from like negative (laughs) 10 yeah somehow through this transformative conversation with joe yeah you're able to really change the trajectory of your life right yeah that's the power of christ yeah no no like (laughs) legit i think that's something that a lot of, at least the pastors I've seen, because um, Joe is like a different breed. He, he's yeah, built yeah. different. He, yeah, he his level of like focus on the mission is so, so concentrated that when he sees like he, something he needs to do, like it, he'll just go all in. Yeah. Like some pastors might be like, well, maybe this isn't the best way to yeah. approach this guy. Like emotionally speaking. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. But. Like, I can only think of Joe, of all the pastors I know, who would say, like, why don't you act like you love God then? You know, like, <laughs> so, that, I, I mean, I think there's a lesson to be learned there. You know, there's maybe some, t- for some people, like, that tough love is necessary yeah, to yeah. bring about character change. And he, like, you might even say that you can credit him to your relationship to your wife. Right? Oh, no, for sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, to kind of build upon that, uh, so... So that conversation with Joe happened in November and I asked her out in April uh-huh. uh, of the following year. And at, during the, the the couple months between those two, um, I remember, so coming out of college ministry, mm-hmm. 
like you know at college ministry people like the pastors there they kind of try to avoid people dating each other because mm-hmm. like when you're in college you're like very hormonal and stupid and <laughs> they don't want to have like they don't want people to have sex and like all that yeah so they're very careful about like dating within church and college mm-hmm. and so you know they prefer they prefer like courtship right mm-hmm. um so that that's been kind of like embedded in my brain for the past four years and so when I um, when I started getting closer with Angie and Joe, and when I thought it was kind of time to like take that relationship to the next level and start dating, mm-hmm. I remember asking Joe like, "Oh, Pastor Joe, like I, I think I, you know I want to start a relationship with her. Like I'm, I've been praying about it, and you know da 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 da." And so I kind of went to him for like spiritual guidance. Like I wanted to see what kind of wisdom he could bestow upon me, right? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> this guy, he's so blunt, right? He's he's like, "Do you like Angie?" And at the time, by that time, by the time I was having that conversation with Joe, Angie and I, we've already kind of established that we like each other, mm-hmm. but we weren't like officially dating. Mm-hmm. So Joe, so I go to Joe in, pri- in private and like tell him like, hey, I've been praying about it. I want to ask Angie out. La, 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 la. Uh, what do you think? Um, and then he's like, do you like Angie? And I was like, yeah. It's like, does Angie like you? It's like, yeah. So what's the problem? <laughs> like he made it so like simple. He's like, then ask her out <laughs> and i was like well but you know like you know like what do you think from like biblically like you know i'm like just trying to like get this like spiritual wisdom from him and he's like doesn't matter just, just like it's like if you like her and she likes you why not mm-hmm. and i was like okay well I, you're right i guess and then so i like asked her out and then that's how it started and yeah. so um so yeah his like bluntness and the joeness i guess uh-huh. um like helped me again uh-huh. to to make that next step and yeah. and yeah it was definitely like his um he was definitely a, a big catalyst in mm. like moving moving that relationship along yeah wow that's awesome you know i'm actually trying to get joe to come back on my podcast uh-huh. again he i had him on as a guest one time a long uh-huh. time ago i'm trying to like, i'm texting him like hey come on my podcast <laughs> come on because you know, he, he has this like two-week break yeah, right yeah. Now that he has oh so th- it would be great if he came on for the next episode and he was able to speak on some of that the, the it, things the funny thing is though like to me they are life-changing moments uh-huh. but to him because i we would talk because you know we're still friends and uh-huh. we um sometimes like joke about the past and stuff and to him like he doesn't remember <laughs> like he's like i said that i was like yeah and you changed my life <laughs> and he's like oh well good i guess <laughs> so like he like doesn't remember some of the things that he said uh-huh. um to to me and or angie uh-huh. um i don't know if he remembers the the night and sandy springs with the pizza uh-huh. and me crying um and asking me that but from what i recall like he doesn't really remember wow yeah wow but that's so for him it was kind of just routine things yeah it's like a day was... in the life of pastor joe right yeah. but it had like seriously like legitimately trajectory changing impact on your life yeah because without that conversation you probably would be in a different city by now right yeah for sure and i think um yeah i think if if without that conversation like i i i i think even to this day i consider like that conversation with joe and sandy springs Mm. to be like my like rebirth Mm. Uh, because i mean i always consider myself christian but like that's when i like truly realized like if I want to call myself a Christian, I need to act like one mm. um, by loving others and like trying to do all that stuff. And so, so yeah, I, that was definitely a pivotal point in my life. You know what's interesting? Like hearing that this whole thing, it's it sounds like to me you had kind of a two pronged 
attack, uh-huh. um, like the empathetic, more emotionally coddling or emotionally supportive side from Angie. Yeah. Um, and the more direct, <laughs> straightforward, like kind of splash of reality yeah, yeah. from Joe. Yeah. And I feel like both those things are like super vital, right? Mm-hmm. Because if one, if you, if you only got the spiritual step in the face from Joe and you didn't have that, um, someone who kind of understood you from Angie, mm-hmm. then like, honestly, who knows what would have happened, right? Even, right. even though you were nicer, like maybe you would have still felt depressed, maybe. Like, yeah. But then with just Angie's like empathetic efforts to reach out and not that spiritual slap from Joe, who knows how many more times you would have made Angie cry, right? <laughs> right. So, wow, like I think that was a really great, like, I, I can see it as an outsider having heard your story that uh-huh. it, it seems like so perfect that those yeah. two things happen simultaneously to like, yeah, for sure, yeah. bring about this life change for you. Yeah. And, and like, I think like, yeah, I mean, not to be like cliche, like, mm-hmm. but I, feel, I, I definitely feel like it's like, I felt at the time, like I, I was meant to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, like then and there, like the time and place, mm-hmm. like in terms of like being in Atlanta in this weird, depressive, arrogant state meeting, Joe and Angie and um, and Grace and um, everyone, and and I and even like just the, um, I feel like if I came in to Atlanta without that pride and arrogance, I feel like my life would also have been very different. Mm. Um, it, like I needed, I needed a place to fall from, to mm. really have this, rude awakening of like what it means to be like a Christian, because mm. uh, like yeah, if I if I was never in this like high horse to begin with, I don't know if that fall would have been as impactful as it had been. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. So many life lessons from, <laughs> from your story. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to circle back on was like smoking, right? Uh, what do you think as a Christian, what do you think about smoking uh, for believers? Um, I think that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, for me, it's just like, well, because like culturally, right? Uh-huh. We we assume like oh, smoking. I mean, smoking is bad for your health for sure. Yeah. And so, like we grew up saying, like being taught by our parents, don't like don't you ever smoke, and like smoking at church especially is bad, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, like spiritually speaking, like it it definitely doesn't disqualify you from being a Christian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I think from my perspective, having been a smoker for several years, it's more of the it's not the smoke in and of itself, but it's um, the physical addiction to it. Mm. Um, so I think the fact that I am in constant need mm. of the cigarette, like when I'm stressed, cigarette. Mm-hmm. When I'm depressed, cigarette. Mm. When I'm excited, cigarette. <laughs> like when I'm celebrating, cigarette. Uh-huh. After a nice bowl of pho, cigarette. Like, so like for me, it, it was more of that addiction that mm. I think is the, the sinful part. Right. Um, and, and and for me, I think one thing, one other thing is like, like especially in college ministry, um, when there are younger underclassmen like looking, uh, potentially looking up at you, um, if I if they see me smoking, like I have potential to like lead them astray or like, or similarly to how I felt when I was in high school, turn people away from God and mm. church. It's like, oh, this guy is, says he's Christian, but he's smoking, which is typically associated to be, you know, bad. Right. And so I don't want that, as, like, that hypocrisy to come off and potentially deter other folks from, you know, seeking Christ or following Christ. And so I think because of that, 
that is a good enough reason to yeah. stay away from it. Yeah. Um, so that you're not pushing other like maybe um, not as mature Christians away from God mm-hmm. um, by you doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, I think, I think that's how I see it. Um, but yeah, personally, I think smoking in and of itself isn't bad. Like if I had the physical ability and the mental capacity to smoke one cigarette and like never pick it up again, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that's an issue, mm. but yeah, it's like the addictive part that is. Yeah. 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 So I, I just didn't want to discourage anybody who is a smoker uh-huh. from like trying to go to church. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It doesn't disqualify you from coming right, to right. church <laughs> at all guys. Um, so, I mean, look how Chujin's life turned out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I reeked of smoke when I came to church. <laughs> like I didn't yeah. try to hide it. Um, mm. And, you know, thankfully Joe and all the other folks were, willing to embrace me, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of my, you know, stench. Mm-hmm. So do you have any advice for people who might be in kind of a similar life stage that you were in uh-huh. um, back in 2013? Like in terms of smoking specifically? Or? No, no. In, in terms of just how, like, because not everyone's going to have a Pastor Joe to right. know, wake them up, right? Yeah. Like, so do you have any advice on things that they themselves can do to kind of improve um i don't know because i i feel like it's not i feel like i was always forced to go down a path by external factors Mm. um so i i don't i I don't know if it's anything that i've personally like initiated on my own Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just i don't know if i can have any like practical tips or wisdom to share Mm. on that regard Then, then let's do this if you're listening and you feel like you're not really fitting in with church and you feel like you're better than the, better than everyone at church and everyone at church is a loser, then this is your slap in the face. <laughs> Why don't you act like you love God? <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's also like, you're not that great. You're not like, that great. Like you think you're great, but you're not. <laughs> yeah, trust us. Yeah. We don't know, you may not know who you are, but trust us when we say you're not yeah. that great. Yeah. Wow, okay, so well, yeah, we're, we're like at the hour mark. Um, so do you have oh, any, right. yeah, um, we're, Time flies, right? Yeah. Any any last thoughts that you wanted to share about your story? Or? Um, no, not really. I mean, but I, I I guess I I do hope it inspires or encourages mm. people that listen to it because yeah, I came in a, from a very 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 dark place. Again, I was like to the point where I was thinking suicidal thoughts, and mm. so um, but now I'm happily married, two kids in the suburbs. So, uh, you know, if you are also in that state, like it's doable, but only through like the power of Christ. Um, and you know, it's not something that I can't do on my own and something that I know I didn't do on my own. Um, so uh, really just thankful for the community that I had, that God had placed the people that God had placed around me to help me get back up and just really get my head out of my butt, um, Mm. to, to that point. And so I think for me, what I'm most thankful for is that when that slap came, I had enough self-awareness to know that, wow, I need to self-reflect. Because mm. I think it could have also gone completely opposite direction if he said that. I could have just walked away like, F you. You don't know me, dude. F yeah. you. Yeah. You know, I could have done that. But thankfully, like, I don't know what it is. Maybe the Holy Spirit. But like, it allowed me to actually be receptive mm. to such a blunt comment by this almost stranger mm-hmm. uh, and so hopefully yeah that if you are in a similar place that 
I guess, ask for the spirit to just be with you and allow you to um, have an open heart and ear and eyes to see like what God has provided around you. Yeah, man. What a great way to sign off. So guys, th- thank you so much for listening that too. I hope you were as encouraged and inspired by Jujin's story. I mean, it's mind blowing the transformation that he made. So to be able to see that it's, it really does inspire awe. Um, so yeah, I think, thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah. Uh, thank you guys again for listening and we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time.